Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Zano, joined, as always, by the Beetlejuice to my Beetlejuice. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I can't wait for what comes next. And our very own Beetlejuice. That's right. It's oh, Eric Ronovic. You hey. said it three times. You, you can't say it three times. times. You can't say it. You can't what? Say it I, I didn't say it three times. I said it two times and then another one time. So <laughs> if if I look outside, are there going to be giant sandworms? This is the best worst intro you've ever done. <laughs> is there a little diorama of a little podcast going on? I don't know. Is there? <laughs> it's showtime. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if this goes off the rails because uh, someone's uh, messing with Eric, you already know why. All right. So the the thing about Beetlejuice is it's great. The thing about NFL football is that it's, less it's, great. it's been horrible. Um, we have been subjective now to four, I count them, one, two, three, four primetime games uh, that uh. star the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, of course, famously have allowed only one touchdown on defense. And have scored only one touchdown on offense. And while it might be tempting to just dunk on Russell Wilson or yes. to make fun of it, league-wide scoring is actually down by almost four points on the season compared to last year. And so I thought it might be a good opportunity to, instead of just you know talking about the danger, which it's spicy, or making fun of the leather coat uh, – <laughs> subway video we dug up of russell what about would you go into mr unlimited for 15 minutes unlimited your voice is really good by the way it's very russell-esque all i have to do all i have to do is remove my soul and become a serial killer (laughs) and then i'm ready to be to be russell wilson it's it's not it's not a it's not super tough so yeah i i um i don't know russell wilson though yuck (laughs) <laughs> but but anyway, fifth pick in the draft, guys. We're we're doing it. We're getting the fifth pick in the draft. It's just not our pick. the The thing about uh, what's going on in the NFL is not it's not a Denver Broncos problem. It's an everyone problem. There's been lots of really bad football. Tom Brady famously famously recently said that there's just a lot of bad football being played. It's not parody. It's just bad football. So I'll start with you, Eric. Yeah. What is, what is what's the we got to we got to dig into this a little bit. What is the cause of all this bad football? Uh, I don't I don't know if cause what I see is like what makes bad football for me. And that's bad play. Something that's not exciting when it's not exciting. That means it's kind of easy to predict. And I feel like the NFL has become really predictable. Um You can go on and say, oh, there's not enough good quarterbacks. If you're I mean, back to the last week. Last week we had like eight upsets, but yeah. like four of them were unwatchable. Yeah, they're just <laughs> it's, it's funny. There's not enough chaos in the NFL. So I believe the NFL is on a formula. So you're going to have your really bad cellar dwellers. You're going to have your rebuilds. And these are on mm-hmm. kind of cycles, right? You're going to have your good, your good teams. You have your legends like Tom Brady who just keep playing and wherever they go, it's going to be great. There's nothing unexpected here. What's ex- What's exciting for me and what makes it exciting is when you find a diamond in the rough. Um, Like in Aladdin, uh, (laughs) you have the most recent, I would say, is Patrick Mahomes dropping in on the Kansas City Chiefs, just making them this powerhouse out of nowhere. Uh, Very exciting. Before that, I think it was Pete Carroll coming into Seattle, drafting young. You don't really see that anymore. And it's not like that's gone forever. But I'm waiting for that next diamond in the rough because that's what makes the NFL exciting. Uh, 
the the whole formula of having a team that is you know teetering on the edge of being good or really good and bringing in a veteran quarterback like Tom Brady to Tampa Bay or like Russell Wilson was supposed to do in Denver um that's it's become formulaic and I don't I don't really find any joy in that um a sport that I love to watch is now like I watch Seahawk football I guys I watch half the game leading up to the Seahawk game and that's it I don't watch Thursday night football uh, mainly because I don't want to see Commanders Bears, um, but I'm also not watching Monday <laughs> Night Football. It's it's Who something does? that I'm just not really into. You know, it's there's nothing like how many times so, do I need to so see Russell there's, Wilson there's, on prime time? You know, does anyone? So there's something I'm. There's an underlying uh, thing that you're saying uh, that you. It's kind of going unsaid, which is that to you, you want to see you want to see points. You want to see like a like crazy stuff happening. And in this case, the pendulum has swung over to, to defense. Right. And there's just, it's just a slog. That's the thing. It's like, it's not, it's even like, like, it's not it's, exciting. It's defense. It's, it's not, it's not chaos ball. It's just like boring. Like, like that 14, 13 game with Tom Brady versus the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Like, sure. It's an upset, I guess you could say, but it wasn't fun. There's nothing fun about that. The pendulum has swung to defense. So, Kevin, what's what oh, we talked a little bit before the podcast? What's a reason that what's one big reason that the, the the pendulum has swung over to defense a little bit? So, I decided to jump into this to see if I could find something to hang my hat on for what's going on because it's undeniable that the football is less interesting and. I think Eric is on to something a little bit with like, there's no sense of surprise. Even when there's an upset, it's like, yeah, but is it really an upset? Are you really surprised that that team lost? And so I dove, I kind of dove into some numbers and I saw, you know, penalties are up about one penalty a game from last season. That doesn't really seem super significant. Uh, I saw that yards per game and plays per game are really similar to last season. But then I kind of noticed something else. I noticed that points per game are down by a little over two points per team. And it corresponds to a drop in touchdowns per uh, drive and a increase in field goals attempted per drive. And when I think about teams finishing off drives, I think about play in the trenches. I think about play along the offensive line. And something came back to me that we've talked about before. Um, gentlemen, do you remember what the uh, statement for basically the entire 2010s was about the NFL draft and offensive line? No, there are no good offensive tackles. Yeah. And last year we saw it where guys are getting picked in the first round who clearly can't even really play in the NFL. Like, there, yeah. are, there are guys that got picked in the first round last year that are really struggling Uh so, yeah, I, I mean, there are just no good tackles. Yeah, for sure. And I think what it's what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of the players that were kind of holding things together age out. So I went back to the early 2010s and I was looking at a lot of the players in the top 25. I used uh, Pro Football Focus's offensive line ratings just to kind of have a metric to look at um, something nice and easy on the aggregate. And first thing I looked at was uh, pass block like grading. And uh, so far, let's see, last season, sorry, this season, there's only five teams with a PFF pass block rating over 70 versus 12 last year and 13 in 2020. 
There's only six teams with a run blocking rating over 70 versus 15 last year and 13 in 2020. Um, uh, Football Outsiders uh, run stuff percentage. There are 12 teams with a stuff percentage of 20% or more um, versus last season. There were two. So it's um, it's pretty messy. And when I look back at those early 2010s teams, I see a lot of the top 25 offensive linemen are in that like end of rookie contract, beginning of second contract, late 20s kind of age bracket. Last season of the top 25 offensive linemen, 13 of them are currently 30 year older. It includes the likes of 34 year old Trent Williams, 32 year old and chronically injured Zach Martin, 32 year olds and chronically injured Tyron Smith. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, who's in his 40s, Jason Kelsey, who's 35. Like it's a lot of older players are the ones that are playing that top level competition in the offensive line. And looking back over the last few seasons, that's been a trend for about the last three or four seasons. It's a lot of older offensive linemen going back yeah, to we like saw- Marshall Yonda's retirement year. He was okay. one of the top. Three a good a good example of this from just this year is is what happened with the Rams and Whitworth. Yeah. Right. Like we just we've seen the Rams go straight into <laughs> Eric. What would you? How would you call that Rams offense right now? What do you think about that Rams offense? Uh, is is middling too too kind? I would and, say a dirty it, diaper. Were, it's were a they, dirty were diaper. They, yeah. Were they really held together by one forty year old offensive tackle? It seems like that might have yeah, been the isn't case. Isn't that funny? Like they can't run, they can't they can't pass, they can't catch, they can't offense. That's the yeah, best their way offense putting is, it. Their offense is just just broken now. It's just throw to Cooper Cup every play and, and pray. So yeah, I said what you're saying, Kevin. These older these older guys are just they're just aging out. They're just gone. Yeah, and so we've had a couple of stronger offensive line classes recently. But the other thing is, offensive line usually takes three four seasons to develop. So what we're seeing is a league wide hole at offensive line that results from like five or six seasons of really middling results when it comes to offensive line drafting. And I could see that especially affecting early season play as offensive lines are gelling um, for probably the next few seasons. There's been a slight downward turn in overall offense the last couple of years, but this is a pretty stark uh, uh, display to begin this season. I have a question Hmm. about that. Is it good then if you draft two rookie tackles in the same draft and they're both pretty good. It's a leading, is that, it's a leading question, Kevin. Hypothetically, <laughs> if a team were to do that, that would probably is be that, a pretty positive outlier. Is that good? Seems I good. don't know. I don't know if that's good. Okay, anyway, uh, we're, we can talk about that team later that did that. Um, so so the, the offensive linemen are getting worse. You're, is and they're 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 struggling to keep up. Yeah. And the pat. What about the pass rushers? Well, the pass rushers. It. I. The pass rushers are not necessarily getting drastically better. Um. It's more like the pass rushers didn't fall off and the offensive line did. Okay. And so the see and so I, you. Get I just these, feel like there's more. There's more pass rushers too. You know what I mean? There's just like. Like there's a, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, there's you're right there. Though. There's about the same number of like transcendent pass rushers for sure. Like the truly, truly great ones are probably about the same. But it definitely speaks to trends where like defensive scheme is catching up to offense. So I think the part where you're right is that defensive line rotations, you have mm-hmm. three, four five guys that can get after the quarterback instead of one or two guys who get after the quarterback a ton. And I think that's yeah. probably the change. 
the pat the pass rush specialist is now like, hey, we got four guys that can get out there and get eight sacks, and it's like, whoa, that's a that's a problem for when your tackles are getting worse. Yep. So so something I want to talk about that I think is having a, a huge impact. Um, so it's it goes back to the nineties. Okay. Um, Bill Belichick's the head coach of the oh, Cleveland Browns. Time. And Nick's does wrong <laughs> podcast. My bad. And and Nick Saban is the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. And these are, the, I would say, and I think most people would agree, two of the greatest, if not the greatest, football minds of this generation. These are these guys are are legends for a reason. They are very very good, um, and they could not beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. No matter what they did, it, it just seemed like they could not defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what did they do? Well, they, they back then you played man, or you played zone. Okay, and they thought, well, the offense is getting an advantage, and so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to do something, and they called it pattern matching. Okay, and pattern matching is something that's kind of in between man and zone. It's a set of rules that each defender is going to follow that um, that gives them a, a like a read and react to to what the offense is do, doing. A decision and it takes will. takes takes away some of the advantage uh, on uh, for of the offense. On top of the pattern pattern matching, team, so one, over time, almost every team at every level starts to adopt this over time. And at this point, we are at nearly 100% adoption for pattern matching, which means mm-hmm. at, at like at almost at all the way down, like it goes, you know, down to probably at least college football. Almost every college team is pattern matching. Uh, and maybe some high, good high schools are too. <laughs> and so we're, we're, pattern, we're pattern matching now at every level, which means when those kids get to the pros... They're good at it now. Whereas for a long time, you know, if you wanted a guy to pattern match, you might be teaching him that skill in the pros, which is hard. And we see this with we, we've been seeing this with wide receivers. They've get they get to the league more polished, right? They run better routes. They do it. Guys are able to produce as rookies immediately. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. These guys are finished products because they have been playing seven on seven football and running great routes for so much longer than a guy like Chris Carter. Or you know what I mean, like so a guy who back in the day he wasn't running great routes until he got in the NFL, probably, or or maybe late college. So these guys have a lot more practice with this with this skill of pattern matching. On top of that, teams gave up stacking the box because if you throw for six yards an attempt, pass attempt, and you rush for five yards a carry, even though you're running the ball really well, you should still throw every play because six is more than five, and six is a Bad yards per attempt. Eric, does that math check like- out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm putting that in the calculator right now. Kevin, get back to me in about five minutes. Okay. So so six so six is better five and six is bad. Six would be the worst in the league right now, or one of the worst in the league. Kyler Murray is is worse than six, but not very many other players are. So <laughs> that's a, another little inside shot for you. Those are maybe not. Uh, so so Kyler, Kyler Murray, Murray six, and being not- under six at something. Name a more iconic duo. More iconic duo. <laughs> oh, his KDA is above six, though, because uh, that's all that he really cares about. So, so um, when when he when they when they traded for Robbie Anderson, he he checked his KDA and he was like, "Get this guy off the team. He's not good enough." Um, so the <laughs> dang it, I got sidetracked. So so six would be bad, and, and so teams just aren't running the ball anymore. Teams just don't do it. They don't do it very much, and they don't do it well. Teams aren't built to run. They aren't built to run very well. You see it across the league. Teams just can't can't beat other teams just running the ball. And so defenses have just given up on going heavy in the box. They'll just play 3-3 or they'll play 4-2. And they, they will put six guys in the box. And those guys are good at rushing the passer. 
and they're good enough at slowing down the run because here's here's what happens. If you let's say you decide to run the whole time, you're the 2022 Denver Broncos and you want to run the ball down the field. You want to dink and dunk, short passes. This cover two pattern matching defense is taking away all your de- all your, oh, I hit my microphone. Is that loud? A little <laughs> Take, bit. Italian, I talk with my hands. I'm sorry. This cover two pattern matching Parenthesis. defense takes away all your deep throws. It makes your life a nightmare, especially if you decide not to throw in the middle of the field. So there's one more zone. You just don't have to, you can completely ignore. Um, so, so now you, it's really hard to throw. It's super hard to throw. And so you start running, you run for four yards, you run for five yards. All it takes is one mistake and you're punting because you cannot gain yards in big enough chunks to, to do anything. So if you run for four yards, you run for five yards and you have a false start penalty. Now it's third and six. You have to either run for six over six yards on this rush, which is hard, or you have to pass, which if is also now difficult because <laughs> they're going to put a bunch of defensive back. They're going to have a bunch of defensive backs on the field running this pattern match cover two or, or whatever. So it's um, it's just it's changed the game for for offenses. The NFL is cyclical. Offenses will figure out how to beat this. It's only a matter of time. And I think there are teams that have already figured it out. The teams that have figured it out the best are the teams with running quarterbacks, because you can you can still throw the ball. I'm still going to throw the ball on most plays, but now the defense has to respect my ability to run on a throwing play. They have to they have to account for the fact that Josh Allen is going to run on this play for 20 yards or that Lamar Jackson is going to come back up the middle or Jalen Hurts is going to take the run option on this play and beat me with his feet. And that makes it that is the 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 next I think evolution in football that makes a huge difference to beat these these light box pattern match zones is you drop back if you can throw good enough to go with that that inside run game with the quarterback, uh, that's that's teams can't slow you down like they can with other teams. These pocket passers like Mahomes or what Russell Wilson thinks he is, they're going to struggle sometimes against these cover two, these high cover two pattern match zones, unless they start running more. They they need to run as a quarterback or they need to figure out a way to get, you know, they need to respect the middle of the field in a different way than they are right now. So that's my, that's my thought is that right now we're just in a defensive cycle. The defenses have these pattern matching experts that are making life hell for uh, quarterbacks that like to sit in the pocket. It's a defensive let, cycle, but not like you said, not, not good defense. It's like a slog. And, and like, yeah. And, and like Kevin said, if you have a really good offensive line, you can get away with it. Cause you can just wait. You can't cover forever. Even if you're really good at pattern matching, you can't cover forever. So if, if you have Andrew Whitworth at left tackle and your offensive line is awesome, Stafford can just hang in the pocket a little bit and find the open guy. Yeah. Or if you have Trey right? Williams, you could just run inside zone and then and they, they have, have to a light box it. and they have to respect it. So they have to change their coverage a little. Yeah. Or if you have, or if you're Tampa Bay and you have, they have, you have the offensive line they had last year and the year before, before they all die after it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Before they all were gone and, and hurt, then Tom Brady can just stand back there. He can wait and find the guy. So the next evolution is either offensive line play gets really good and they can pass block long enough for for the defense to break down a little bit or running quarterbacks. You got to respect the run. You got to you got to respect guy coming up the middle. So that's that's the way I see it. And uh, yeah, that's that's um that's why the NFL sucks right now, <laughs> because teams that don't have elite quarterbacks or don't have really good offensive lines seem to be trying to play more like a weird bully ball thing. And 
that's a pretty boring brand of football. Like you said, in the NFL, like, okay, so one of those three penetrating three technique down linemen in the four, two front happens to hit the correct gap blows up the running back four yards in the backfield and, and you're off schedule now and, and everything's ruined. And you're dead. <laughs> yeah. You're off, you're off schedule and everything's ruined. Yeah. Like if you want to move the ball up the field in, in five to eight yard chunks, that's fine until you have one holding penalty. <laughs> and then your drive is over, which would again drive... make sense why there's an uptick in field goal attempts, because especially when the field gets squished, as you get inside the red zone, you're going to have uh, like defenses are going to be able to guess what the offense is doing better. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, if you have thoughts about that, hit us in the discord. Let's get into last week's game, which we're going to have to the go... helmets of the NFL guys. Uh, I got. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Tell me, no, tell no, me what no. you thought of those Arizona helmets. Actually, that, that is the first thing in my notes is Arizona's helmet. What's up with that? What is up? What is the deal with black Cardinal helmets? I don't what get it. What is up with that? What is up with that? That's all. That's the epitome. White Bengals helmets, black Cardinal helmets, whatever the commanders think they are. Well, stay tuned for my fa- Dogs fashion. And cats frolicking in the street. These are these are the times of the apocalypse. Uh, sports right. fashion podcast. Go Bring ahead. back creamsicles. Eric. Eric, Thank I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give you my 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 elite lead in that I wrote down here. Oh, so I like I it. Say, I like it. Okay, like Eric, it. we're gonna talk about the. You got to We're gonna do dessert first again. Okay, so it's time to talk <laughs> about it. the defense. Oh, who who are we gonna talk about on the defense? Ooh, if you're talking to me, ooh, did you did you see that the of defense was actually good? Uh, the defense was the uh, solid at coach. times. It was a true bend don't break. They gave up three defensive points, right? Yeah. The other six was on it was on a was on a defensive. Yeah, that was, that was on a touchdown. blocked punt, but I still get to blame Cody Barton for it. <laughs> uh, actually, Nick Nick Ballore in the post game was like, "I made a call on the on the protection, and it was a bad call." Greatly <laughs> yeah. like by Nick Ballore covering for Cody Barton's. Mistake. I think so, Kevin, because <laughs> it's. It's it's very odd. I'm not. I haven't always been the biggest Nick Ballore fan, but he seems to know what he's doing. And Cody Barton. I mean, I got a letter that I'm going to read this week to Cody Barton. And uh, it's, wait, so it's Co- not nice. In fact, Cody I Barton think Kevin, played. Kevin read it already. Cody Barton played okay in this game because he played less. I'm a fan of that move. Uh, I think that they they really went they went light in the box this time for. Four one with extra extra deep lots of extra defensive backs, which is what you want to do against a team that is going to inexplicably like go zero. We're going five times. one five. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> seeing seeing that three man rush was a shock to the system, and it working was even bigger shock. Yeah. So okay, let's start. Let's start with uh, Kevin. I'm going to give you your boy. Okay. The redemption begins. Daryl Taylor. What a game. Oh, looked they they used him as a pass rush specialist as we predicted. And boy, did he deliver. That strip sack was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say it looked to me like he was given exactly one thing to do, and that was pin his ears back and go. And he wasn't overthinking it. He wasn't taking false steps. He wasn't moving slow. He got three pressures. He had a sack. Um, He looked like the exact player he wanted. Yeah, he had a fumble forced on that. Um, He had two run stops. Uh, He had no missed tackles. I, I thought like on the run game, like he only played seven run snaps. So I was like, I'll just look them all up. So I did. And um, he, I could see why his pro football focus rating run rating was still 48 
because uh, he, <laughs> he did he not like, hold the edge. <laughs> yeah, he did not hold the edge. Like you said, they sent him in there with a job. They said, hey, get downfield, like just just be aggressive. And it worked. So I, I like I like this. This is the new Daryl Taylor. I'm into it. Put him out there for 30, 30 to 40 snaps, depending on how much the other team is throwing and let him just get after the passer. That's like what I what I love to see. Now, Eric, Cody Barton, he did all right on his 28 snaps. Um, but Jordan Brooks played all 71 snaps, and he looked like a different player in this game. Yeah, I don't. I I was going to ask you what that was about. Was it – you think it's less snaps? You think it's more, um, what shall we say, meaningful snaps now? So one thing in the postgame, that presser that came out, was that Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks and all the guys, they basically said, like, we were told in this game – to do less thinking, less reading. So um, the, the the three three or three four defense that we've moved into, uh, it involves a lot of like reading and reacting and 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 playing differently and um, pattern matching <laughs> and, and and stuff like that. And that these guys, um, the the guys along the defensive front especially, were told basically like, don't worry about that. Just like get out there run the play that's called uh, read, read, be aggressive. And it, it seemed like it really paid dividends. I mean, the aggression was apparent in just the the, the pressure numbers. Yeah, Nwosu you... had four pressures. Jefferson, four. Harris, four. Monet, three. Taylor, three. Six total snap, sacks, including a, the blitzing the blitzing Neal. I mean, just just a, a hell of a game from this, de- from this defensive front. Well, you said Daryl Taylor earlier, how he was just more or less pinning his ears back and Kevin went into how it wasn't overthinking it. It seemed like that was kind of what everyone did. Like they, they took their man, they took their zone. They didn't fidget around mm-hmm. in the field, which I mean, when you're playing zone, there's going to be a fair amount of fidgeting because you have a place to be, but if there's no mm-hmm. one there, you're looking for, you're looking for a place to be. And right, you're, often, try, you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Right. Like you can, you can look at a zone on paper and be like, Oh, I'm going to go back, you know, what, 11 yards and stay back there. But if there's nothing in the play, you're going to look like a fool. Um, And it looked like just a, I don't know if they took what the Cardinals gave them or if they just played simpler. Uh, Regardless, it worked and it worked really well against a uh, subpar Cardinals team. Yeah. So then we got that. The pass rush was great. The secondary, my goodness, the rise, the rise of the rookies, the rise of the rookies. We've got two, not just, I mean, obviously, Tariq Woolen is the star, right? Four interceptions in five weeks. He was targeted seven times in this game, gave up for just 40 yards, only nine yards after catch, got the pick, 33.9 NFL rating in this game when targeted, um, bringing his rating when targeted on the season down to, sorry, I'm trying to scroll to the right spot in the stat book, 38.6. Just wow. Yeah. Tariq Woolen is he. Um, he's him. <laughs> he is. He's, he is him. he's a great shadower. Uh, and in this game, in the last couple, we've seen that he's a great anticipator. He's getting better at anticipating. So Kyler Murray, for all of the good things about him, uh, I don't know if it's an athletic ability thing, but in the last, I don't know, year of football, so like halfway through last year, and certainly this year, he's been underthrowing quite a bit. He used to sail the ball, and now it's like he doesn't have confidence. He's going to underthrow, and there was a there was a a short pass by Kyler Murray earlier in the game. I want to say in the second quarter, and I really thought it should have been picked. 
And sure enough, Tyreek comes up with it on a on a gotcha. on a long forty yard underthrown ball, gets that pick, and it was I don't know, it's probably a very clutch move of when he did that. Yeah, Woolen has just been out of bounds. Now in the slot, we're seeing the rise of the 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 rise of our boy. Kobe. You know, he's just <laughs> he is just crushing it. Kevin, Kobe in the Kobe in the slot has been a, a revelation now at this point. Like just an unbelievable uh and Kevin right when I said that, Kevin disconnected. <laughs> Poor Kevin. The, just just an unbelievable uh rise for Kobe Bryant, though. I mean, the way that those guys are working together on this defense and and I mean the thing about Kobe that's exciting is that the first couple games were tough. You know, it wasn't, he it wasn't was, like, he wasn't great. He gave up the big catch in the Denver game. Uh, he got credited with that and he was having a hard time. And then in the Atlanta game, he got targeted a couple times. It felt like they were like maybe going after him a little bit. Well, and when the slot, especially if you're, you know, you're targeting a guy there, you're not going to get usually, you know, eight plays on a guy. All you need is two big plays and it kind of ruins their day. Um, I think we saw the same thing happen with Michael Jackson earlier in the year, how we thought he was going to be the guy from the beginning. And he just kind of showed that he was out of, out of place. Both these guys are starting to show like, and yeah, Michael Jackson was okay in this game. I think he's like a replacement guy. I think right now he's, yeah, he's replacement level. And it's that for, for where he started to where he is, I have faith that he might get better. Yeah. I think, I think at least bare minimum, Michael Jackson, solid backup for the next, I don't know how many years I'm I, you got to hope that Trey Brown comes in and kind of takes that, takes that bull by the horns when he's healthy. Right. Ideally. Yeah. Um, yes. Ideally that would be the case. Well, um, Shelby Harris, great, uh, continues to, to really impress me as he returns. Uh, and they played more nose in this game. So I was happy about that as well. Just an overall really great performance. I see defense taking advantage of a bad offensive line, right? This is a, this is the kind of team where you want to see guys taken advantage of it and they were able to the defensive line played aggressive good football and uh, it was awesome so okay we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back with more uh with the offense All right, now the offense. Um, the offense has been the story of the season. It's been uh, very satisfying, fun to watch, really good. This week, there was really only one person that I, I think we should uh, we should shout out, and that is the return of Dwayne. No, I'm just kidding. Kenneth Walker, <laughs> Kenneth Walker three. Eric, yeah. Hey man, I had I had faith in this guy since the beginning. I think we all did. Um, but I had enough faith to oh, add yeah. him to my fantasy team. Um, you have him in fantasy, which is why I went straight to you. Yes, yeah. I in, in the league of record, you have him, and I. Every time I look, and I'm like, dang, I, 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 I for the last like three weeks, I've been thinking like, I want to trade for a running back, and then I'm like, well, let's trade for Ken Walker, and I see he's on your team, and I'm like, I'm gonna pry him out of Eric's cold dead hands. If there's like, well, never tra- <laughs> it it is getting colder outside, and my fantasy team is dead. 
Um, <laughs> and he just looks at your team and he just doesn't hey, see players. 16, like, 16, 16 makes six teams make the playoffs. You still got a shot, buddy. Yeah, that's, not, that's a sad part. I'm not giving up and I'm two and four. Like I'm ready. I'm, my, this is like my team is so I'm one behind right? you, Nathan. I'm coming to get you. So Kenneth Walker Jr. Let's let's evaluate what Kenneth Walker Jr. is good at. He is spry. He is fast. But man, is he elusive when running between tacklers? 12 missed tackles oh forced. Goodness. It was Woo, not only is it hot. in the stat that we're reading, but it it's just it's there on the tape. It's so Dude, funny, on that like, sideline play where they I made everyone say, look like uh, Cody Barton. And what do you do? The snake run on Sean Alexander Day on uh, on whoever our mayor's name named it named it official uh, Sean Alexander Day. He didn't, but uh, Kenneth Walker play did some Sean Alexander moves. He even did the thing where he stood behind the offensive line and moved left and moved right and then just fell down. It was just a great homage <laughs> to Sean. All the classics. All the classics. No, uh, really, the- really exciting uh, for this young man and excited for this football team that is tied for first in the NFC West. Yeah. So the Kenneth Walker the third, he now is third in the league in Pro Football Focus's elusive rating, which is attempts to take into account the number of uh, missed tackles forced against like how much they're actually running. But even if you just don't care about like advanced stats like that, he has broken the fourth most tackles in the league already. And he has way less runs than the guys, the guys ahead of him. The guys ahead of him are Nick Chubb, who has 110 attempts. Uh, Damian Pierce, who has 86, Josh Jacobs, 91. Kenneth Walker's only on 44, but he has 22 missed tackles forced. Now you can make, multiple tacklers miss on one play but that's one every other run that's insane yeah it's really good he is playing a really really high level of football right now and uh even though our run blocking has not been as good as i would like um this guy's gonna make make it count anyway but how good he is running so yeah kenneth kenneth walker the kenneth walker three um for three Ooh, that's a drop idea right there for three. Oh man, I'm doing it. All right. Uh, <laughs> this, this also helps me get, it helps me wash Russell Wilson being three out of my, out of my head. Um, that's good. Kevin Plus, an annoying dog barking for canine isn't very delightful. So yeah, I mean, he's got that dog in him though. You know what I mean? He's got that, he's got that dog and I'm gonna keep posting that picture because he's got that dog in him. I posted that x-ray dog picture like a hundred times. And every time Kenneth Walker did something good, I was like, oh, another opportunity to post this. Yeah, I like how I went to a bunch of pictures of Walker, Texas Ranger kicking someone in the chest and you're like, no, 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 no. chest x-ray with a Doberman. It's like, okay, yeah, thanks. Because he's got Appreciate that, because he's got dog. that. He's got that dog in him, dude. He's got that. He's got that. Uh, anyway, dog before I stampeded him. all over your transition, what were you going to say? <laughs> uh, Gino, Gino Smith from week one was back, dude. Not taking the top off the defense. The, uh, I mean, he tried. He was over three on 20 plus. Yeah, but like it, he was also two for four on 10 plus. Like just all of his passes were 10 or less yards. He, I think he had what, 26 pass attempts. And of those 26, 20 were with within uh, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Just really, really low A dot was back. The deep shots were gone. Ton. It was, he was, it was, he a was under game. pressure on 11 of his 20 set, uh, 11 of his 38 dropbacks. Sorry, he threw 31 times and he only <laughs> threw. So 25 were 10 yards or less. I misread my notes. Yeah, he was under pressure on 11 of his 38 dropbacks. He actually did fine under pressure in this game. Uh, weirdly, he was worse when when not blitzed. 
in this game. So we saw like a little bit of like just bizarro Gino in this game. They were double covering DK and Lockett the entire time, which is yeah. why you saw him go to the tight ends uh, really heavily. Uh, Fant had six catches. He had the most uh, D- catches and yards. D. was involved. I mean, that was a joke, but also not. I mean, he got three receptions. Off the back of the game. milk carton and onto your <laughs> roster, D. Eskridge. <laughs> and three still 39 yards. Yeah, I mean, he he seriously played five snaps and got three targets. Like when he was on the field leverage play (laughs) when he was on the field, Gino was looking for him. Gino was like, I that's my guy zoning in on D and fan. Yeah. Seven targets in this game. Uh, He was hunting for D. Yep. He was he was Noah Fant was very involved. The other tight ends were involved, too, with three more targets to tight ends. Just a just not a great passing performance for the Seahawks. The Arizona was getting after the passer. We were we were really struggling to contain uh, some of their some of their defensive pass rushers. I think what uh, Marcus Golden had like five pressures and Zayvon Collins had two. And Watt made a miserable time for Lucas on several plays. It was like, like he gave Lucas all he could handle. This is the worst Abe Lucas has looked in a lot of ways. And he was still pretty respectful. So, you know, good on Abe. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that like the offense was bad. It just wasn't great. It was nice to see us able (laughs) to win a game where the offense didn't have to score 30 though. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a type of win that we needed to have. It was it was a we were playing a bad team. Let's be honest. Arizona is not good. And we were playing a bad team and we looked we looked respectable. Yeah, I mean, but to them, we're a bad team. And I, I know I at least I know that I think we're better than them. But man, it just felt the, good. My favorite advanced stat, as you guys know, DVOA puts Seattle at ninth right now. We're in a big clump of teams, though, that are all really close in score. Seattle, New England, the Chargers and uh, Cincinnati are all right around six and a half. Uh, we're in a big club. And then the teams that are ahead of us are significantly ahead of us. So I'm not like trying to blow smoke. Like we're not great. We're in this kind of clump of averages teams. Atlanta is really cl- is right behind us too. Arizona is 29th. This is, this is a team we should beat, right? This is a team that is not good that we should beat. And the Seahawks went out there and didn't have their best game and still won pretty easily. I think it kind of shake off that kind of fluky special teams touchdown off of the block punt. Right. I mean, yes, that, I mean, that's the thing. They had a fluky six points and they, they didn't do anything the rest of the game. They, they kind of moved the ball to midfield a bunch of times and then they take one penalty and the drive was over. And they also click. Okay. Let's, I got to talk Cliff Kingsbury for a second. This guy's the worst play caller in the NFL. He's so bad at his job. Right. I mean, Hackett is really bad. And I've got to watch Hackett on primetime a whole bunch. So I have a lot of Hackett experience at this point. He's such a bad offensive coach that he made people think that uh, Patrick Mahomes might not be a good quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury said that. OG on this too. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, you were you were on it from the start. I was like, I don't know. He could be Since good. I don't know anything hire, about him. Kevin was like, Kevin was like no, this me. guy's this, is this guy is hire. garbage. Um, Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury. Okay. Um. He, first of all, what's what's up with like bringing that outside run play to the offensive line, like a, or to the offense, like a thousand times? It never works. I don't know <laughs> what I don't know what he was doing, but he did this. He did this like play where where the where Kyler would hold the ball in front of himself and hand it to Eno, and Eno would run outside of the try to get outside of the tackle, and that play went for negative yardage basically every time. Especially I, when we were doing five down, so he had to run outside an extra defensive lineman to make it work. Yeah, Why he had to get so wide. <laughs> I mean. 
and then Eno Benjamin got injured because yeah, of course you're running a tiny running back on that play like a million times. Of course he got murdered. Like I don't know what they're thinking. And then Cliff Kingsbury had that post game. He goes, yeah, I I'm. Someone asked him, are you open to to getting rid of play call to losing play calling duties? And he said, I'll do anything it takes to get this team to win. Fire yourself. Quit. <laughs> like if you want your team to win, leave. You will do anything so, for love. But he's so he bad. He won't. He can't do that. <laughs> Pegging. That was the line. <laughs> That's the line for Cliff Kingsbury. I, I just don't understand. Like he is the worst coach in that. This team is Arizona, if you look at the talent, the offensive line's not great. And I think the defense is is good as long as JJ Watt's healthy. I think it's actually a pretty solid defense. They should not be as bad as they're playing. They are playing this bad because Cliff Kingsbury does not know how to call an NFL offense. Oh, can this, I this also not, say I feel this should so not be the twenty six interior offensive line after watching theirs? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like like the offensive line is bad. I'm going. I'm not gonna. Not gonna like. Dude, especially the guards. The guards and center. Like yeah, Max Max sad. Garcia, Justin Pugh, uh, Sean Harlow. Like those guys. Those guys. Uh, ugh, yikes. They're not not good. Beecham is like it's like Beecham, and then like, like do not look at the rest of the the offensive line. Don't look at them. Don't talk about them. It is not good. Uh, yeah. It's just. It's. It's frustrating. I would be frustrated if I was an Arizona fan. I would be, I'd be hot. I would be really unhappy with with what's happening with my team right now because they have the talent, they have the infrastructure, but they uh, they just don't have uh, they don't have the coach. They don't have the coach, and it's it's a problem. So, all right, do we want to talk about? Oh, we've got to do uh, third phase. Uh, okay, Meyer's good, but the special teams really needs to communicate better because we cannot keep having these weird uh, like give up this team is not good enough to survive a bunch of uh give up uh, give up a touchdown to to a bad coverage call and running weird running rugby punt and all the weird stuff we're doing stop just fix fix it it's it's all communication errors it's easy to fix yeah there's nothing there's nothing wrong with the personnel there's nothing you just need to clean up the communication you guys ready this i'm actually kind of excited about our game this week (laughs) It's weird. This if you you would not have circled this one on the uh, on the old schedule schedule before the season started, but inexplicably the New York Football Giants are five and one, mostly on the back of an offense centered around a running quarterback. It goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's a nice callback to what we're doing. Um, wait, who would have thought? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you, that's yeah. great, but that's also in two weeks. Yeah. No, I, I skipped. I looked at the schedule wrong. We are yes. playing against. The Halloween San is not so Diego close. Diego Superchargers. Oh my gosh. Based I know after watching them on Monday night, it felt I watched, like you watched three weeks worth of Chargers games in just that one game. Here's the thing. I watched the last Chargers game, so I can still do this like kind of on the fly, but I watched two Giants games. <laughs> wow. So you I watched. You've gone through and I'm the labyrinth tell, of. Here, here, I'll give you a preview for next week. They're not very good. <laughs> they're, they're, they're five I, and one. Hold they're on, five save, and it, one. save it for them being six and one. But they're they're not very good. They're okay. They're okay. Their offense is is actually better than than I expected. Oh man, you're usually so reliable. So I was like, wait, did I prep wrong? And I looked, I googled the schedule real quick, <laughs> and I was no. like, no, it's not no. I. It is the children that are wrong. No, it's it's. Okay, I just Googled Seattle Seahawks schedule, which is what I usually do, and I looked at it, and they they put it in a different spot. I swear to God. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Slightly let's, when you looked, it's fine. Let's go to the let's go to Chargers. All right. So here's the thing about the Chargers is the Chargers 
are a team that has a lot more talent than the Seattle Seahawks in every way. They are better than us at having football talent, but they have a big problem. And his name is Brandon Staley. This guy is, and his name is injury. This guy allowed (laughs) Russell Wilson to complete 10 consecutive passes on Monday night to start the game, a feat that no one will match this season with Nathaniel Hackett at the helm. (laughs) It is, it is unreasonable for me to think that this. So the difference between the Seahawks and the chargers is coaching, you know, and in this case, you know, I, I, because my notes are bad, I don't know who the home team is. Is it it's us or is the Chargers are the home team? Uh, but are they ever really the home team? This <laughs> this is tough. This is this is tough. Not then, even man, when they because, were in San Diego, Kevin. Because because like be so I really many more want, Seahawks fans in the crowd. <laughs> I really want to like. I was like, if we're home, we're winning this game. So, but now I think the line this is tough. The line opened the line is like six. Okay, six and a. It's six and a half now, but it opened at eight and a half. Yeah. Eric, yeah, it opened up pretty big, and it was a. Uh, people were calling a sizable uh, Seahawks were a sizable underdog. Um, if Staley's doing so poorly that <laughs> Sean Payton sniffing around his job, I don't yeah. know if you've oh, seen, read the I articles. Mean, like, I mean, can you imagine said, Sean Payton with with Justin oh Herbert? Though, like, holy smokes! Sean Payton has imagined it. That'd be good. Oh it's man, pretty, yeah, pretty funny. Stay out my job. I, it's t- it's tough. The Chargers are not. Wait, wait. Super... He'd be pulling the reverse Drew Brees. He'd be going from New Orleans to the. Chargers. Oh, oh the so circle cool. is complete. So poetic. So, uh, so okay. The Chargers are four and two. They probably sh- should be four and two. They're they're like a slightly above average football team. They're in the same kind of glut of medium good teams with us. Uh, of the difference between us, obviously, is they have more talent and we have actual awesome coach at this point if anyone comes up to me and says like pete carroll's grandpa football and he doesn't understand what he's doing i can completely ignore all of their takes for the end of time and i was already on that track before this season but this season really kind of uh, it's the proof that i needed that like the infrastructure works and if you don't believe that the infrastructure works watch pittsburgh versus tampa bay from last week a pure in uh, the purest infrastructure win in nfl history if you have the infrastructure, you're not going to lose 14 games. It's just not going to happen. There's no way, and the infrastructure exists here. We have great coaching. We have great, uh, great system. A great uh, a, a, a franchise that players love to play for and they play hard for. And that's like all you can ask for, right? That's that's all you want. Jim Moore so, Jr. Yeah. catching strays. <laughs> Who cares? He can catch all the strays. My favorite part. I hate him. So. Yeah, I yeah, I think we're a benefit of a dirt bag there. We should not be we should not be six and a half point underdogs. That is stupid. Eight and a half was worse, but six and a half is still bad. This is a close this is a close game. We should be about three point dogs because it's in their house. And uh, I respect I respect the uh the home field advantage of the superchargers at this point. I think it's Austin Eckler is the biggest thing we have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, sure. a dangerous running back is something that we just aren't handling very well this season. I would worry yeah. a lot about Austin Eckler in the pass and run game. I actually think is Keenan um, Allen back this week? If Keenan Allen is back, these are the kinds of things I look up when I am. Um, Keenan Allen may or may I'm not prepared. be back because that's the story of his season. So uh, he's been on the verge of being back the entire season. Yeah, I know he's a six. He's been out for like six games with the same hamstring injury. Yep, and uh, another guy got shot, and he's back. So we'll see. Uh, are you are you scared <laughs> of the? Are you guys scared of the Gerald Everett revenge game? No, because he can't concentrate through an entire catch to save his life. 
Hey, he's been pretty good this season, though. Except for like the fact he's completely unreliable still. I think that uh, Mike Williams and Josh Palmer and Josh Palmer are the exact receivers that we match up really well against. So if Mm -hmm. Allen is out, I really like our matchup against the receivers. Yeah, only one drop for uh, for Gerald Everett on thirty five targets this year. That's a lot of targets. It's because alligator arming it doesn't count as a drop. He's good. I like him. He's. he's I I like Gerald Everett. He had Keenan Allen. He had two of the worst drops in Seahawks history in terms of impact on the game. Uh, it hurt. I know, hurt and I, I still uh, straight up, straight up two game losers. I still believe I believed in him too after that. He didn't deserve that. So no, it's it's our revenge game. It's our revenge game against Joe for losing game. those. Yeah, games. why not? Uh, okay, so I'm I'm still kind of winging it. I have no notes, uh, but yeah, Chargers are solid. Chargers are solid. We have a coaching advantage. I expect a good game. I'm gonna go. Seahawks 26 Chargers 27 one point victory for the for the Bolts but I think this will be a great game I don't once again I came in this I came into this season expecting us to win about seven games I have not changed much about that I do think that it's hard to win close games um Gino's got me believing but I'm not quite there yet on game winning drive Gino I need to see that I need to see game winning drive Gino I need to see two minute drill Gino going down the field against a tough defense, going down the field against Derwin James, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. All right. I'm going slight San Diego victory. That's right. You heard me, Eric. Uh, I like the, I like the margin of victory. Unfortunately, I also think it will be San Diego 18, 16 off some two point shenanigans. shenanigans. Low, low, low. Yeah. If you look at how um, we've been playing, off and on and how the Chargers have been playing recently. I don't see a high scoring game kind of like last week against the Chargers or against Cardinals. Kevin. Uh, I'm trying to look up if Khalil Mack is officially injured right now. Oh, this is the kind of stuff I look up when I Googling uh, Khalil Mack dead. Uh, I know he's been dealing with a foot injury off and on. I don't think he's no. He played last. He played last week though. Um, And Joey Bose is out though on the IR. Bosa is out. And I think that that matters a lot because uh, good pass rushers give us a lot of problems. We keep they everything within one. a touchdown. They still got one. They do. We keep so. everything within a touchdown. So I think it's going to be within seven points, but I do think Dang. that it favors the I to, Chargers. I went to Khalil Mack's Twitter. He's got a Black Adam partnership that he's doing uh, an advertising thing. They shot like a whole like trailer for Black Adam, but it's like Khalil Mack instead. That's weird. I know it's kind of it's cool because it's Chargers, like it's bolts. So like it's got the bite. He's got the lightning bolt on a football uniform on his chest, That's and he's right. like getting hit by lightning and stuff. I don't know. I'll go I think twenty eight, twenty three Chargers. Brand. I think it's brand synergy. <laughs> anyway, uh, they, if you if you want to support the great great transition, if you want to support the Seahawks this podcast, there are many ways to do so. Head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as a dollar twenty four a month, join the Discord. Uh, might not be a picks podcast this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you to those who support us. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, Greta, James, Jos, Joshua, Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake from Washington Fish Quest on YouTube, Bob, Casey, David, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, everyone else in the Discord. Um, it's been it's been a blast in there. I mean, I have not had more fun than we had during that Monday night football game. That was hilarious. Um, I don't know how much we can talk about it because I don't have us classified as a uh, 
uh, adults only podcast or whatever, our, our uh, parental advisory yeah, podcast. Quality trauma bonding. Uh, but but definitely definitely um, uh, let's just say we were eaten. In the, in let's just say let's just say. Per the previous comment, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. We know what that is now for at least one person involved in the Discord. Oh man, it was it was uh, it was really fun. It was a whole thing. Anyway, oh man, it was so great. It was great. It was hilarious. We need to get I had to a, a non-scary avenue now, though. Like like I said, okay, yeah. So that was that's a scary thing. You're right. That's a scary. That's a potentially scary thing nice for some segue, of us. Maybe, gents. maybe exciting for others. Uh, but but yeah, we, what I want to talk about today is. Halloween movies. We've done a lot of different Halloween movie lists or tier makers, eliminators, a uh, fave fives. I was thinking we do a fave five today. Um, Halloween movies, but they're not scary. Okay. So like these are Halloween movies. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that it's for kids. Okay. So I don't, this isn't going to be a list of like, you know, it's not just going to be five kids movies. These are but the movies Halloween have, movies. Because kids movies that, would be great. Yes. Kids movies are great. and but But there will be some kids movies on here. I'm sure of it. But these are Halloween movies or movies that have good uh, October vibes that are definitely not scary. So, Eric, put the first movie in our oh, five. Oh, no, 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 no. We talk- okay, fine. <laughs> we talked about this before the podcast, sir. You're going first. I'm happy to go second. I'm, go- I'm going first. Someone go first. Okay, I can go first. The first <laughs> movie scary. in the five. This movie is not scary. Okay, you guys can tell me if this movie is too scary, but I- I'm going to say it's not scary. Um, but it is it has Halloween vibes. It's uproariously funny. Uh, it is Shaun of the Dead. Ah, oh, OK. Not too, sc- too scary thought, or not scary. I thought you were going to go. Zombie it's definitely vi- it's definitely violent, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's scary. I, if you want to put it as the non scary, I am willing to take that because I was debating on uh, Tucker versus Dale, if that would count. And I decided that. It is. It's. Con- it I'm is definitely classified as comedy horror, so I didn't want something that has a horror classification. I'm definitely towing the line with this pick, and I'm actually curious what people think. Is this movie too scary? But I do not think this movie is very scary. Like there is, this movie is just really funny. It's not scary um, to people who like scary movies. I agree with that. If you, if you, if you are squeamish by blood, this this movie will not work for you. <laughs> no. That that is the problem. It's like if you are like, oh, I can't see blood then you're going to struggle with this. There is a scene at the end of this movie where someone gets like ripped up. That is definitely violent, but it's like so over the top that it's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know any other. So that's that, that scene when I was thinking about this is like, this is, um, but there's a part in this movie where they just fight zombies set to queen. And it's like, <laughs> so and they're hitting people with pool sticks and to in time with it and stuff. I still and, think my favorite uh, scene is when he, they run past their parallel group. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's just exactly the same group with like, the it's just so funny to be in. <laughs> it's All right, I have a replacement. Group. I have a replacement. I have some replacements lined up and I'll 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 pick a less scary movie at the end of the Fave Five that uh that can replace uh Shaun of the Dead if the masses decide against me. Okay. So okay. So uh all right. Uh now Kevin, I'll I'll Kevin go. Eric wants to go last, so I'll go Kevin go next. Oh, this is very challenging. Um I for like half a second had very few movies in my mind. And then had like a thousand movies in my mind. And I'm going to go with a personal favorite. Um, It's the ambiance and it's the feel of the movie that makes it very fall for me. It's got to be vibes. It's got to have the right vibes. Otherwise, it's not going to be in there. And that's the uh, 1985 comedy thriller mystery. Clue. 
Oh, Clue. Hmm. Right, Clue is on my list. Clue is on my list. I like it. Uh, Seven suspects, delightful. six weapons, five bodies. <laughs> it's so good. It's delightful. <laughs> it's uh, Tim Curry is excellent, but like everyone's excellent in this. Um, like the cast is quietly stacked. Everyone is playing their character really well. Um, it's like borderline scary for like a kid in that like it's fun to be scared way. But like there's so many good jokes in this movie and it really hits like that you know, house on the hill vibe. That's great. Hmm. It's uh, I think it's perfect for this list because it's definitely got the right, the right vibes. Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's a really, really fun movie. I don't, I don't know, like multiple endings too. Yep. It's, I don't know how many guys, what, how many, what a, how many endings okay. have you guys seen? All of them. Okay. All of them, yeah. I watched. I watched it on like on a DVD. Okay. Um, what about the freeze frame where Mr. Green says, "I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife." Yes. Uh, Better, better or worse than the freeze frame when, uh, when, uh, at the end of Breakfast Club. (laughs) (laughs) Ty. Hey, 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 hey. Um, husbands, husbands should be husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. It's a, it's, a, it's a great movie. The, the movie is awesome. He disappeared. Uh, that was his job. He was a magician, but he never reappeared. He wasn't a very good magician. Got an anti-capitalism <laughs> slant, which I appreciate, of course. That's because communism level. is just a red herring. Um, yeah, just 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 <laughs> fantastic movie. Fantastic <sighs> pick. Um, I I okay. The modern version is Knives Out, of course. Yeah. Um. Do do you have if if we just put those movies head to head, Clue versus Knives Out. Uh, which I think Knives Out was on my list as like a potential, uh, you know, Halloweenish vibes, you know, like murder mystery, but it's not scary really. Um, which movie's better? I graded them both fours, so that that should tell you. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm undecided on this. I'm on the fence. So I, I think they're really similarly rated, but I would put Clue ahead for its Halloween vibes specifically. I agree. Okay. Okay. Just the that 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 like little bit of campiness kind of kicks it into the uh, the Halloween territory more. I'm not going to say Knives Out wasn't intentionally funny, but Clue is more, I don't know, in your face funny, which I appreciate. All right, sounds good, Eric. What do you got for me? For me? Okay, so like Kevin, I I was kind of I don't know if Kevin was drawing blanks. I was drawing blanks, and then I had so many, and now I'm kind of second guessing. So I feel like I'm going to say one, and if you don't like it, I'll put another one in there. And <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like. I'm going to say this army is, of dark army of darkness <laughs> army army of darkness could easily be in this list. But uh, here, I just feel like I'm going to get a sigh from Kevin. So here we go. Can I put scream in here? Oh, if I'm questionable than Shaun if of the I'm dead. if I'm pushing it with Shaun of the dead, that is like that movie is funny. I, would, I don't think it's super I'm not scary. I'm but, not looking for it to be funny. I don't think it's scary. It has, I would gladly do a King of the Mountain with horror comedies where we can talk out which one of these we think is the best. See, and I don't think Scream is so much funny as I was trying to like figure out how they were like, I'm pretty sure I had one or were there two killers, but I was trying to figure it out. So I wasn't scared. I was more interested in it. And there were some funny like kind of so smile moments, but I wouldn't call it funny. It's homage. Here's really the thing. Um, there are jump scares in Scream. Which I think like automatically eliminates it for me. Okay. Like you can't you can't have like le- especially multiple jump scares. There are legit a lot of jump scares in this movie. Like when the like, fox gets killed. 
Are you still saying you're scared of Scream? Is that what you're saying now? I think like jump scares scare people like that. And I think like jump scares being right in a movie the is a huge turnoff to people who are looking for non-scary Halloween movies. Fine. Ghostbusters 2. Are you happy? Go Over, oh, just... over Ghostbusters 1? <laughs> oh, honestly, <laughs> Ghostbusters 1 is an easy layup that I could say, but I wanted to go with a little more like little more inside baseball so on screen but fine original ghostbusters top it Go, i dare you Go, don't say ghostbusters. ghostbusters i'm not like a like a like a huge ghostbusters guy but like yeah ghostbusters As 2019 child of the is, 80s is, and 90s <laughs> just kidding. ghostbusters is, is up there for me for sure i i like i'll be honest i like all of the ghostbusters movies <laughs> i don't dislike any of them which I haven't is seen the new which one, is why i found uh, i found fun in all of them all right, I'm going to list off a bunch of movies, and then Kevin, you're going to tell me which of these stand out to you, and then Eric, you're going to tell me uh, which of these stand out to you, okay? So here we go, okay? These are movies that are on my my short list. I do think that the other two movies will almost certainly come from this list unless someone brings up something significant. You guys ready? Do it. Okay. What We Do in the Shadows, 2015. No, never mind. Okay. Young, Young Frankenstein. That was on my So close on my list. J- J- James and the Giant Peach. Okay. Uh, the Fly. Gremlins, Christmas might be too scary. Might be Christmas too scary. Movie. But Labyrinth, <laughs> uh, Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, the aforementioned uh, to be in the movie, and then uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I don't know. I wanted yeah. a sci-fi movie, but it, it's probably not. Probably not the right. Et. I'd put Et above that. Et. Et is a good one. Okay, so Et. We can do Et. I like that, Eric. Okay, so uh, Eric first. What which movies? Uh, which which if you pick could pick th- a final three from that list, or you know two in you if you really want to add something. Et. I'd have to put up there okay. just as a sci-fi and the Halloween vibes we talked about. Um, Et is a good one. Right before Labyrinth, what did you say? Gremlins. Gremlins is, is Christmas. Producer Brett won't allow it. Um, <laughs> it's too Christmassy. Yeah, it's too Christmassy. Beetlejuice was the lip because that was our intro. But man, hey, Beetlejuice, that is such a Halloween movie that is not scary. See, if we were doing funny Halloween movies, I'd have had this whole list for you. Um, yeah, that's where I was. Okay. I was trying to lay. I was trying to be like, what's a good Halloween movie that is still kind of spooky but isn't scary? You know that I I won't overthink. But um, and then, jeez, uh, what else did you say? Um, a lot of movies. Yeah, you said a I lot. was hoping you'd log them away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did, and then I got excited. Um, <laughs> so okay, let's say let's say your top three is Beetlejuice. You got you got E.T. E.T. and then and Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. That was the one. Thank you, Young Frankenstein, because okay. I was really right. close to saying it, but I I was like, well, well, Nathan picked a funny one, so I don't want to pick a funny one. <laughs> uh, Kevin, Kevin, is there something uh, that I missed here? I, I I wrote a quiet place down as well, but I'm starting to think that that might be too scary. Yeah, I Kevin think we're pushing on that one. Uh, I think Young Frankenstein is a, a snap heap. I think we could just put that Only one right you. in. Uh, Young Frankenstein's in. All right, I agree. Frankenstein. Uh, okay, so now we're down to one spot, Kevin. Do you want to stump for any of these movies? That, uh, that I you... want to push in for a different movie. Um, oh, okay, here we go. It goes a little bit past, but it's very in the fall theme. What about Coco? Coco is uh Coco's on my list. I love Coco. Uh I just I, I don't know. I feel like these 80s movies have like immaculate like Gremlins, Labyrinth, Little Shop of Horrors, and Beetle Beetlejuice all have just immaculate, like non-scary Halloween vibes to me. I would say Coco, what we do in the shadows, and uh Beetlejuice are the three that I'm most comfortable okay. with. Okay. I will kick I'll kick out I'll kick out Shaun of the Dead. Beetlejuice is in. Okay, so we got Beetlejuice. We what was Kevin's pick? 
Clue. Clue. Uh, we got Young Frankenstein and Ghostbusters. All right. The last spot is going to one of two movies. Coco or um, what was the other one that we talked about? From uh, What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. So, Eric, you get to pick Coco or What We Do in the Shadows. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about these movies. Coco is makes you cry almost every time. Yes. It's fantastic. Uh, Dia de los Muertos movie has perfect vibes for what we're talking about. Um, on the on the other hand, uh, what we do in the shadows, the first like hour of that movie is some of the hardest I've ever laughed Spaghetti. at in a movie ever. <laughs> uh, the 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 IT guy that they bring in or whatever, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's like one of the greatest characters in any movie I've ever seen. We're werewolves, not werewolves. Yeah, and it's like I, I think the movie does kind of fall off at the end, but the first hour is so good I don't even care. All right, Eric, got to pick. What is it? I'll pick Coco. Uh, Coco. I I think it's a superior movie, but ultimately. Heaven on the Day of the Dead. It's just it edges uh, what we do in shadows by this much. Okay, perfect. So there's our fave five. If you want to talk about it with us in the Discord, maybe your favorite non-scary Halloween movies, uh, go get in there. Tell us what you think. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.